Book Two, Chapter Fourteen of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Fourteen the flight and dispersion of the apostles after the capture of their master how his most blessed mother was aware of all that happened and how she acted in consequence the perdition of judas and the worry of the demons over what they were obliged to experience after the seizure of our saviour jesus his prophecy at the supper that all of the apostles would be greatly scandalized in his person matthew chapter twenty six verse thirty one and that Satan would attack them in order to sift them like wheat, was fulfilled. For when they saw their divine master taken prisoner, and when they perceived that neither his meekness, nor his words, so full of sweetness and power, nor his miracles, nor his doctrine, exemplified by such an unblameable life, could appease the envy of the priests and Pharisees, they fell into great trouble and affliction naturally the fear of personal danger diminished their courage and confidence in the counsels of their master and beginning to wander in their faith each one became possessed with anxious thoughts as to how he could escape the threatening persecutions foreshadowed by what had happened to their captain and master the apostles availing themselves of the preoccupation of the soldiers and servants in binding and fettering the meek lamb of god betook themselves to flight unnoticed certainly their enemies if they had been permitted by the author of life would have captured all the apostles especially if they had seen them fly like cowards or criminals matthew chapter twenty six verse fifty six but it was not proper that they should be taken and made to suffer at that time this was clearly indicated as the will of the lord when he said that if they sought him they should let his companions go free these words had the force of a divine decree and were verified in the event for the hatred of the priests and pharisees extended to the apostles and was deep enough to make them desire the death of all of them that is the reason why the high priest annas asked the divine master about his disciples and his doctrine john chapter eighteen verse eight at the flight of the apostles lucifer already troubled and vaguely perplexed betook himself off hesitating between different projects of his redoubled malice he certainly wished to see the doctrine of the saviour and all his disciples blotted out from the world so that not even the memory of them be left hence he would have been well satisfied if the jews had imprisoned and killed them all but he had no hope of easily attaining this wish and therefore he busied himself in disquieting the apostles by various suggestions and inciting them to flight in order that they might not witness the patience and virtues of their master in his sufferings the astute dragon feared that by this new proof of his doctrine in his living example the apostles might be confirmed and fortified in their faith and thus resist the temptations which he planned for them therefore it seemed to him that if he could weaken them now he could more easily cause them to fall away entirely by subsequent persecutions easily to be raised against them among the only two ready enemies of their master thus the demon deceived himself by his own malicious calculations when therefore he saw the apostles filled with cowardly fear and much disturbed by the sorrows of their hearts he rejoiced in their evil plight and considered it the best time to begin his temptations he assailed them with rabid fury 
filling them with strong doubts and suspicions against the master of life and urging them to give him up and betake themselves to flight they easily yielded to his suggestions of flight but they resisted many of the doubts against faith although some failed more some less not all of the apostles being equally disturbed or scandalized they separated from each other scattering in different directions for it would have been difficult for all of them to hide as they wished if they remained together only st peter and st john kept each other company to follow their god and master and see the end of his misfortune matthew chapter twenty six verse fifty eight but in the soul of each one of the eleven apostles raged a battle of sorrow and grief which wrung their hearts and left them without consolation or the least rest on the one side battled reason grace faith love and truth on the other temptation suspicion fear cowardice and sorrow reason and truth reproached them with their inconstancy and disloyalty in having forsaken their master by cowardly flying from danger after having been warned of it and after having offered themselves so shortly before to die for him if necessary they remembered their disobedience in neglecting to pray and strengthen themselves against temptations as the lord had commanded them their love for his sweetest conversation and company for his teaching and miraculous power and their conviction that he was the true god urged them to return and seek him and to offer themselves to danger and death like faithful servants and disciples to all this was joined the memory of his most sweet mother the consideration of her intense sorrow and the desire to seek her and attend upon her in her trouble but on the other hand was their timidity exaggerating their fears of the jews their dread of death of shame and confusion in regard to seeking the company of the sorrowful mother they feared lest she would oblige them to return to their master and lest they should be more easily found if they stayed with her in the same house dreadful above all were the impious and horrible suggestions of the demons for the dragon filled them with harassing doubts whether it would not be suicide to thus deliver themselves to a certain death that if their master could not free himself much less could he free them from the hands of the priests that he would now certainly be put to death and that therefore all ties between him and them were dissolved since they would not see him any more that although his life seemed to be blameless yet he had taught some very hard doctrines some of them unheard of until that time whence he had incurred the hatred of those learned in the law and of the priests as well as the indignation of all the people moreover it was a serious matter to follow a man who was to be condemned to an infamous and frightful death such was the interior contention and strife in the hearts of the apostles satan under cover of this excitement continually sought to instill into their minds doubts concerning the teachings of christ and concerning the prophecies that treated of the mysteries of his passion as in their sad interior conflict they failed to see the least assurance of seeing their master escape the hands of the priests alive their fear settled into a profound sorrow and melancholy in which they decided to fly from the danger and save their own lives and they were seized with such timidity and cowardice that during this night they felt nowhere safe and every shadow or noise made them tremble with fear the consideration of the treachery of judas added still more to their fear 
for as he had not been seen in the company of any of the eleven after his treacherous delivery of the lord they dreaded lest he should excite against them the hatred of the priests st peter and st john being more fervent in the love of their master made a greater show of resistance to fear and to the demon and the two together resolved to follow their master at a distance in taking this resolve they relied upon the acquaintance of st john with the high priest annas who with caiaphas alternated in the office of high priest in that year it was held by caiaphas who in the meeting had given the prophetic counsel asking whether one man had not better die in order that the whole world might not perish john chapter eighteen verses fifteen and forty nine this acquaintance had arisen from the fact that st john was esteemed as a man distinguished and of noble lineage of affable and courteous manners and amiable in person trusting to these favorable circumstances the two apostles followed the lord with less fear the thought of their heavenly queen was deep in their hearts and they reflected on her bitter sorrow and desired to bring relief and console her if possible in this pious and loving desire especially st john excelled all the others the heavenly princess from the cenacle clearly understood and saw all not only her most holy son in captivity and suffering but all that happened inwardly and outwardly to the apostles she observed their tribulation and temptations their thoughts and resolves where each one was and what he did but although all was known to the most gentle dove she allowed herself no feeling of indignation against the apostles nor did she ever in the least reproach them for their disloyalty on the contrary she was the one who was principally instrumental in restoring them to a better mind as i shall show later on from that hour on she commenced to pray for them in sweetest charity and with the compassion of a mother she interiorly addressed them o oh, ye simple sheep chosen by the lord do ye forsake your most loving pastor who cares for you and feeds you on the pastures of eternal life why being disciples of such a truthful doctrine do you leave your benefactor and master how can you forget the sweet and loving intercourse which so attracted your hearts why do you listen to the master of lies and follow the ravenous wolf who seeks your ruin o most patient and sweetest lord how meek and kind and merciful does the love of man make thee extend thy gentle love to this little flock which is now troubled and dispersed by the fury of the serpent do not deliver over to the beasts those souls who have confessed thy name psalm seventy three verse nineteen great hopes hast thou set in those whom thou hast chosen as thy servants and through whom thou hast already accomplished great things let not such graces be in vain nor reject those whom thou hast freely chosen for the foundations of thy church let not lucifer glory in having beneath thy very eyes vanquish the best of thy family and household my son and lord look upon thy beloved disciples john peter and james so much favored by thy love and good will turn an eye of clemency also upon the rest crush the pride of the dragon which now pursues them with implacable fury in all this most holy mary did on this occasion and in the pleasure she caused the almighty by her holiness she exceeded in grandeur all that was ever possible in men and angels over and above the sensible and spiritual sorrows 
caused by the torments of her divine son and the affronts perpetrated against his divine person for which the blessed mother entertained the highest veneration attainable by a creature she was overwhelmed with the sorrow caused by the fall of the apostles the greatness of which she alone could properly estimate she was obliged to witness their weakness and forgetfulness in the face of his divine favors his doctrines and exhortations and in so short a time after the last supper when he had warned them so lovingly given them holy communion and elevated them to such a high dignity as the priesthood she saw also the danger of their falling into greater sins on account of the astute and furious attacks of lucifer and his demons and on account of the heedlessness of the apostles in their greater or less confusion and fear yet notwithstanding this great sea of sorrow she multiplied and intensified her petitions in order to merit for them sufficient assistance and speedy pardon from her son so that they might again return to their faith and to his friendship in grace she alone was the powerful and efficacious instrument of these results during these hours the great lady united within herself all the faith all the holiness all the worship and divine cult of the church for in her was preserved and enclosed as in the living and incorruptible ark and as in the temple and sanctuary the evangelical law and sacrifice she by herself alone then constituted the entire church because she alone preserved full faith hope and love complete worship and adoration for the great object of our faith not only supplying her full share for herself but for the apostles and for the whole human race she it was who compensated as far as was possible to a creature for the deficiencies and faults in the rest of the mystical members of the church she performed heroic acts of faith hope and love toward her son and true god she venerated and adored him by her prostrations and genuflections she blessed him with wonderful songs of praise not allowing her deep and bitter sorrow to interfere with the beautiful and harmonious disposition and the full operation of all her faculties as preordained by the almighty what ecclesiasticus says of music that it is inopportune in time of sorrow ecclesiasticus chapter twenty two verse six does not apply to her for only the blessed mary was able and knew how to augment the beautiful harmony of virtues in the midst of sorrow leaving the twelve apostles in the sad state above mentioned i now proceed to relate the most unhappy end of the traitor judas somewhat anticipating the course of events in order to have done with his lamentable and unfortunate lot and continue the narrative of the passion with the band that had taken the lord prisoner the sacrilegious disciple arrived at the house of the high priest that of annas first and then at that of caiaphas who with the scribes and pharisees were awaiting results when the perfidious disciple saw his divine master overwhelmed with blasphemies and injuries and how he suffered all with such admirable silence meekness and patience he began to reflect upon his own treachery and that it alone caused cruel injustice to be heaped upon an innocent man and his benefactor he recalled the miracles he had witnessed the doctrines he had heard and the benefits enjoyed at his hands and he remembered the kindness and meekness of the most holy mary the charity with which she had solicited his conversion and the malice with which he had offended the son and the mother for such insignificant gain all the sins he had committed piled themselves up before his interior gaze like a dark and chaotic impenetrable mountain 
as i have stated above judas was forsaken by divine grace at the time when he consummated his treachery by his perfidious kiss and by his contact with christ our saviour according to the hidden judgments of the most high although he was now left to his own counsels the divine justice and equity ingrained in the natural reason permitted these reflections to arise and to be supplemented by many suggestions of lucifer who possessed him but though judas thus reasoned correctly in these matters it was the devil who awakened these truths and added many other false and deceitful suggestions in order to deduct from them not the salutary hope of remedy but to convince him of the impossibility of repairing the damage and to lead him to the despair to which he at last yielded lucifer roused in him a keen sorrow for his misdeeds not however for a good purpose nor founded upon having offended the divine truth but upon his disgrace among men and upon the fear of retribution from his master whom he knew to be miraculously powerful and one whom he would be able to escape nowhere in the whole world everywhere the blood of the just one would forever cry for vengeance against him filled with these thoughts and others roused by the demon he was involved in confusion darkness and rabid rage against himself fleeing from all human beings he essayed to throw himself from the highest roof of the high priest's house without being able to execute his design gnawing like a wild beast at the flesh of his arms and hands striking fearful blows at his head tearing out his hair and raving in his talk he rushed away showered maledictions and execrations upon himself as the most unfortunate and miserable of men seeing him thus beside himself lucifer inspired him with the thought of hunting up the priests returning to them the money and confessing his sin this judas hastened to do and he loudly shouted at them those words i have sinned betraying innocent blood matthew chapter twenty seven verse four but they not less hardened answered that he should have seen to that before the intention of the demon was to hinder the death of christ if possible for reasons already given and yet to be given this repulse of the priests so full of impious cruelty took away all hope from judas and he persuaded himself that it was impossible to hinder the death of his master so thought also the demon although later on he made more efforts to forestall it through pilate but as judas could be of no more use to him for his purpose he augmented his distress and despair persuading him that in order to avoid severer punishments he must end his life judas yielded to this terrible deceit and rushing forth from the city hung himself on a dried-out fig tree matthew chapter twenty seven verse five thus he that was the murderer of his creator became also his own murderer this happened on friday at twelve o'clock three hours before our saviour died it was not becoming that his death and the consummation of our redemption should coincide too closely with the execrable end of the traitorous disciple who hated him with fiercest malice the demons at once took possession of the soul of judas and brought it down to hell his entrails burst from the body hanging upon the tree acts of the apostles chapter one verse eighteen all that saw this stupendous punishment of the perfidious and malicious disciple for his treason were filled with astonishment and dread the body remained hanging by the neck for three days exposed to the view of the public 
during that time the jews attempted to take it down from the tree and bury it in secret for it was a sight apt to cause great confusion to the pharisees and priests who could not refute such a testimony of his wickedness but no efforts of theirs sufficed to drag or separate the body from its position on the tree until three days had passed when according to the dispensation of divine justice the demons themselves snatched the body from the tree and brought it to his soul in order that both might suffer eternal punishment in the profoundest abyss of hell since what i have been made to know of the pains and chastisements of judas is worthy of fear-inspiring attention i will according to command reveal what has been shown me concerning it among the obscure caverns of the infernal prisons was a very large one arranged for more horrible chastisements than the others which was still unoccupied for the demons had been unable to cast any soul into it although their cruelty had induced them to attempt it many times from the time of cain until that day all hell had remained astonished at the failure of these attempts being entirely ignorant of the mystery until the arrival of the soul of judas which they readily succeeded in hurling and burying in this prison never before occupied by any of the damned the secret of it was that this cavern of greater torments and fiercer fires of hell from the creation of the world had been destined for those who after having received baptism would damn themselves by the neglect of the sacraments the doctrines the passion and death of the saviour and the intercession of his most holy mother as judas had been the first one who had signally participated in these blessings and as he had so fearfully misused them he was also the first to suffer the torments of this place prepared for him and his imitators and followers this mystery i was commanded to reveal more particularly for a dreadful warning to all christians and especially to the priests prelates and religious who are accustomed to treat with more familiarity the body and blood of christ our lord and who by their office and state are his closer friends in order to avoid blame i would like to find words and expressions sufficiently strong to make an impression on our unfeeling obduracy so that we may all take a salutary warning and be filled with the fear of the punishments awaiting all bad christians according to the station each one of us occupies the demons torment judas with inexpressible cruelty because he persisted in the betrayal of his master by whose passion and death they were vanquished and despoiled of the possession of the world the wrath which they had conceived against the saviour and his blessed mother they wreck as far as is allowed them on all those who imitate the traitorous disciple and who follow him in his contempt of the evangelical law of the sacraments and of the fruits of redemption and in this the demons are but executing just punishment on those members of the mystical body of christ who have severed their connection with its head christ and who voluntarily drift away and deliver themselves over to the accursed hate and implacable fury of his enemies as the instruments of the divine justice they chastise the redeemed for their ingratitude toward their redeemer let the children of the church consider well this truth for it cannot fail to move their hearts and induce them to evade such a lamentable fate during the whole course of the passion lucifer with his demons moved about eagerly spying out all the circumstances of each event in order to ascertain whether christ the lord was really the messiah and redeemer of the world on the one hand the miracles seemed to argue the truth of his suspicions 
On the other, very often the doings and the sufferings, so much like those of weak human nature, argued the contrary. The strongest argument for the truth of his suspicions was Lucifer's personal experience of the power of the Redeemer when he said, I am he, which caused him and all his associates to fall prostrate, annihilated in the presence of the Lord. And this had happened only a short time after he had been permitted to issue from hell, whither the demons had been hurled from the cenacle. It was true, Mary had routed them from the hall of the Last Supper, yet Lucifer with his ministers connected it with the power exercised by Jesus, and they could not but admit that this power of both mother and son was something altogether new and unexperienced by them. When he had received permission to rise from his fall in the garden, he conferred with the rest and expressed his opinion that this could not be entirely human power, but without doubt the power of one who is God, and at the same time man. If he shall die as we have planned, he will accomplish the redemption of man and satisfy the justice of God. Then our sway will cease and all our intentions will be frustrated. We have erred in seeking his death. If now we cannot prevent his death, let us see how far his endurance will go and excite his enemies to torture him with most impious cruelty. Let us stir up their fury against him. Let us suggest to their minds new insults, affronts, ignominies, and torments to be inflicted upon his person. Let us drive them to vent upon him all their wrath in order to exhaust his patience, and let us carefully study the results. These proposals the demons sought to realize, although, on account of the hidden mysteries alluded to above, and to be mentioned later, they found that not all of their plans succeeded. Whenever they incited the executioners to inflict tortures, unbecoming his royal and divine person, the Lord would not permit such indignities farther than was becoming, while he gave free scope to their inhuman barbarities and savage fury in all the rest. The great lady of heaven, Mary, likewise interfered in order to curb the insolent malice of Lucifer, for she was well aware of all the designs of the infernal dragon. At times, she would make use of her sovereign power as queen to prevent some of the hellish suggestions to reach the ministers of the passion. At others, she prevented their execution by her prayers, or she enlisted the service of her holy angels to drive away and confuse the persecutors of her son. Those sufferings, which by her great wisdom she knew, that her son wished to undergo, she permitted, fulfilling in all things the divine will. She knew all about the unhappy death of Judas, his torments and place of imprisonment in hell, the bed of fire which he was to occupy for all eternity, as the master of hypocrisy and the leader of all those who were to deny Christ our Redeemer, as well in thought as in their works, who, according to Jeremiah's, Chapter 17, verse 3. Leave the veins of living waters, that is Christ, and whose names are written and sealed upon the earth, far from heaven, where are written the names of the predestined. All this the mother of mercy knew, and she wept over his fate most bitterly, praying for the welfare of men and for their salvation from such great blindness and ruinous destruction. Yet in all this, she conformed herself to the just and hidden decrees of divine providence. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven, Mary, gave me. My daughter, thou art astonished, not without cause, 
at what thou hast learned and recorded of the unhappy fate of judas and of the fall of the apostles who were all disciples in the school of christ nursed at his breast by his doctrine by the example of his life and by his miracles enjoying his sweetest and gentlest intercourse and many other benefits of my assistance and intercession but i truly say to thee if all the children of the church would attentively consider this example they would find a salutary exhortation and warning in this mortal state of life against the danger surrounding them even in the midst of the favors and blessings they continually receive at the hands of the lord all of them cannot be equal to seeing him with bodily eyes and having intercourse with him as the living image of all sanctity the apostles received from me personal exhortations and they were eyewitnesses of my blameless and holy conduct they received great tokens of my kindness and my charity flowed directly from god through me upon them if they in the very act of receiving such favors and in the very presence of their god and saviour forgot all of them and all of their obligation of corresponding to them who then shall be so presumptuous in this mortal life as not to fear the danger of eternal ruin no matter how many favors he has received from the almighty they were apostles chosen by their divine master their true god yet one of them fell lower than any other individual of the human race and the others failed in faith the foundation of all virtue yet all this was conformable to the just judgments of the most high why then should those who are not apostles be without fear who have not so labored in the school of christ and who have not so merited my intercession concerning the perdition of judas and of his most just punishment thou hast written enough in order to set forth to what extremes a man can be brought by yielding to vices and to the devil and by refusing to hear and follow the pleading of grace i moreover inform thee that not only the torments of the traitorous disciple judas but also those of many other christians who condemn themselves and shall be sent to the same place of punishment which was assigned to them and judas from the beginning of the world are greater than the torments of many demons for my most holy son did not die for the angels but for men nor were the fruits and the results of the redemption for the demon but entirely at the disposal of the children of the church in the holy sacraments the contempt for these incomparable benefits is not properly the sin of the devils but of the christians and therefore they must expect a special and appropriate punishment for this contempt the mistake of not having recognized christ as the true god causes the deepest and most tormenting regret to lucifer and his evil spirits for all eternity hence on account of this error they are filled with special wrath against those that were redeemed particularly against the christians who derive the greatest benefits from the redemption and the blood of the lamb this is why the devils are so eager to cause forgetfulness and misuse of these graces in them and why afterwards in hell they are permitted to vent so much the greater fury and wrath upon the wicked christians if it were not for the equitable dispositions of divine justice by which the pains are proportioned to the guilt they would wreak still fiercer vengeance upon them but the goodness of the lord extends even to this place and restrains the malice of the demons by his infinite power and wisdom in the fall of the other eleven apostles 
i wish my dearest that thou learn the frailty of human nature since even in such great blessings and favours received of the lord it easily falls into the habit of gross negligence and ingratitude such as the apostles manifested in flying from their heavenly master and leaving him in a spirit of doubt men incur this danger from their earthly and sensuous inclinations the result of past sins and of the habits formed by a terrestrial carnal and sensuous life void of spirituality on account of it they desire and love the divine favors and benefits only in a carnal manner as soon as they fail to find that kind of enjoyment in them they turn to other sensible enjoyments are moved by them and lose the true conception of a spiritual life for they treat it and estimate it according to the low standard of mere sensuality hence the apostles though they were so greatly favored by my most holy son fell into such gross heedlessness and sins for the miracles the teachings and the examples affected them only in a sensible manner and as they in spite of their being raised to justice and perfection permitted themselves to be affected by them only outwardly they were presently disturbed by temptation and yielded to it they acted like men who had done little to penetrate into the mysteries and into the spirit of what they had seen and heard in the school of their master by this example my daughter and by my teachings thou oughtest to be well instructed a spiritual disciple of mine and not a terrestrial accustoming thyself to despise mere outwardness even in favors bestowed upon thee by the lord or myself when thou receivest them do not attach thyself merely to the material or sensible in them but raise thy mind to the exalted and the spiritual contained therein to that which is perceived by the interior and spiritual and not by the animal senses first letter to the corinthians chapter two verse fourteen if even the merely sensible can hinder the spiritual life how much is true of that which pertains altogether to earthly animal and carnal life clearly i desire thee to forget and blot out of thy faculties all images and remembrances of mere creatures in order that thou mayest be fit to receive my salutary teaching and be capable of imitating me End of chapter 14